All right, so today we're starting a new sermon series, and we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, and we're considering how Jesus used meals, and we're, we're looking at, at the way that food kind of is used in the Gospel of Luke as a way to teach people about the kingdom of God, and, and it also uh, helped enable Jesus to carry out his mission. And, you know, I've been thinking about this because anybody who knows me knows that uh, Don called me a foodie yesterday, and I was like, what is that, first of all? But I like it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, we all know, what is my favorite food? Tacos. Clearly, clearly. Uh, yeah, and I just feel like there's not a day. What's that? Yeah. They're actually, we are making tacos. And the reason why I was like, I'll make tacos is because I'm going to eat some of those tacos that I make for you. <laughs> Self-serving, yes. Uh, but I do, I love tacos. I love Sushi. I, love, I just love good food, and one of the things I love about traveling is I like tra- uh, traveling and trying new food. And in fact, uh, this week, um, my family we went down to Southern California to spend some time with our oldest daughter, uh, who's going to college down there. And we got Indian food, and I love curries. And it was like, I'll take ten of them. And they're like, but there's only six of you. I was like, I have a refrigerator. You know, like I'll be okay. And I just I love food, and food is really good. And I've been thinking a lot about about how food can, can serve us for the kingdom, though. And obviously, like all things, things need to be done in moderation, and food can, you can go overboard with the amount of food you eat. But I've been thinking a lot about a, f- a few of the reasons as to why I think food is helpful. Um, and before we jump into some scripture, I want to just throw, throw out a couple observations. Um, the first one is that food is a connecting point. I don't know if you've observed this, but I mean, food really does come from all over the world, right? And one of the reasons why I like traveling, as I just said, is because I love trying new foods. In fact, that's one of the highlights of going, um, you know, to different locations in the world. I've gone to parts of Africa where I, I try food that I've never eaten or seen before, and it's, it's really a fun experience. Or when we go to Mexico, there's, there's tacos galore, you know. And, and uh, I remember this one time I, I went on a mission trip to Nepal, and we had 28 hours on our way back in Hong Kong. And so me and, and like there's like six other pastor theologians were like, all right, what are we going to do for the next 26 hours? We're like, we are going to eat. And that's all we did. We just traveled to like just these, all these little Chinese spots. And we discovered that in China, they don't call Chinese food Chinese food. They just call it food. And it was amazing. And it was amazing. We just so connected with people though while we were doing that. And so food is a connecting point. Can we all agree with that? Like food, can, it helps us connect. Uh, another thing about food is that I think meals and food are full of significance. I mean, much of how we are shaped and formed happens around the dinner table. I mean, think about how you have family meals. How many of you would like to have more family meals with your family in today's cultural context? A few of you, right? Like, we talk about it all the time, and then I'm like, but there's a TV, right? We have these, we have these distractions so, so, you know, influencing the way that we do meals, but receptions and wedding dinners, they, they play a big role in, in our community relationship development. And I think about holiday feasts, I mean, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, those are all really formative. And there's a lot of significance around the dinner table. And then I, I think something that you see in scripture is that meals matter because they are one of the most effective ways of showing companionship and hospitality. I mean, it's very fascinating how often you'll see that meals play a central role, role in the Bible. In fact, the word companion is actually made up of two Latin words. One 
one word meaning come and then the other one meaning bread. It's this, this idea of companionship is where people would come together and to break bread together. And in the Bible, hospitality is a central theme all over the place. In fact, one of my favorite verses says, welcome others or show hospitality to others as Christ has welcomed you in the book of Romans. And so hospitality is a really, I think it's a really important deal that we see in the Bible. There's just verse after verse after verse where we see that it is a way for us to reflect God's hospitality. I mean, if you have come to know the love of God, if you've experienced it, would you not agree that one of the most important things that we can do is help other people experience that same love? Right? I mean, it's, it's partly why we're here. We want people to, to experience the radical welcome of God's kingdom. And so there's a ton of verses in the Bible that emphasize hospitality. And when you look at them, they oftentimes are connected to meals and food. By the way, it, this is interesting. Uh, I was doing some research this last couple of weeks. And Americans spend over $50 million every year on dieting. $50 million. It's pretty, that's a lot of money, right? Did you know that they spend more money, American Christians spend more money on dieting than missions? Yeah, that's like interesting. As I just got an app for working out the other day that cost me $20. (laughs) You know, we spend more time trying to cure our gluttony, and when things go wrong, we go to food to comfort us. I mean, there's this really weird relationship that we have with food, I think, in America. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning uh, about the big picture of Jesus and the mission of God through the lens of the Gospel of Luke. And that's kind of the point of our sermon series, is that we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke's Gospel, and we're going to, we're going to see some of the things that Jesus does throughout his, his time. But let's think about this question. When we think about how um, or why Jesus came, like, Let's think about some of the answers to that. I think we would all say that Jesus came for a set of reasons, right? I mean, one uh, text of Scripture in the Gospel, Luke, says that he came to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Others would say that he came to announce that the kingdom of God is among us, right? The early central message in the Gospels is repent, for the kingdom of God is near to us. It's at hand. It's breaking in. There's all obviously um, a lot of us who would say that Jesus came to spread love. He came to die on the cross. He came to bring healing. There's a lot of different reasons why we might answer that question or how we might answer that question. But for a moment, let's consider what the Gospels tell us. Listen to what we read from Jesus' own words in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we could all agree that Jesus came to serve. Amen? He came to serve and not to be served and to give up his life as a ransom. Um, Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I love that text of Scripture because we are reminded that Jesus didn't come for the people who think that they have it all together. Jesus came for those who are broken, those who are ostracized, those who are marginalized, those who are outside of community. He comes to bring them in. Um, So I think we have to consider... This verse right here, though, listen to this. In Luke 7, 34, it says, The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Now, the first two verses in Mark 10 and Luke 19, they explain the reason why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? 
He came to serve people and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he came to seek and to save the lost. Amen? We all, we all see that, right? It's very clear there. But the third verse, Luke 7, 34, clarifies how Jesus came. It clarifies his methodology. So how did Jesus come? He comes eating and drinking. Think about this. I mean, this is what we read in Luke 7, 34, is that all of the crowds who are watching Jesus interact with people, they're saying, Jesus is a freaking party animal. That is really what they're saying, right? They're saying, hey, listen, we're watching Jesus interact and engage with the world around him, and what we see is that he's constantly eating and drinking. He overeats. And he gets drunk all the time. And he's a friend to broken people. Now, this is obviously needs to be clarified. I do not think anywhere in Scripture do we see Jesus getting drunk. Okay? Can we all just say, whew. Okay? He, he doesn't. But what happens is people see Jesus interacting with people and they make that assumption that he's overeating or he's overindulging in alcohol. And that's, that's not what's happening. What's happening is that Jesus is constantly enjoying community around a table and he is eating bread and breaking bread and eating food and enjoying wine, but he's doing so in order to form relationships. And I think that's the point that we have here. So what this does is it says a lot about Jesus' method of ministry. Like how does he go about seeking to save the lost? or to serve and to, to give up his life. He does it in a specific way. He does it while he eats and drinks. And this is also acknowledged in Luke 5.33 where we see this. Some people say to Jesus, they say, listen, John the Baptist's disciples, they're fasting and they're praying regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? So I want to let you know, some of you folks who have asked why I always eat tacos, I'm just following Jesus' example, all right? I, you need to get off my case. But seriously here, these two verses, they say a lot about Jesus and his followers. Listen to how one theologian um, reflecting on, on this truth writes about this. He says, Jesus spent his time eating and drinking, a lot of his time. He was a party animal. His mission strategy was a long meal stretching into the evening. He did evangelism and discipleship round a table with some grilled fish, a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine. That's how Jesus does his ministry when he's here on earth. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to just, just briefly look at a theology of, of Luke around the table. I want to look at the gospel of Luke, and I want to see how Jesus develops a theology around the dinner table for us. And this is what we're going to do over the course of the next six weeks. We're going to, today, we're just, just looking at this as a, as a concept for us to begin wrestling with and applying into our lives. And then every single week, we're going to look at one of the different stories that's in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to see how Jesus does ministry and how Jesus takes the table and he takes meals in order to communicate to us truths about grace, about mission, about promise, about hope. And, and we're going to really dive into that a little bit. But for a moment here, I want to point out one thing about the Gospel of Luke that's really fascinating. Many biblical scholars have acknowledged that when you look at the Gospel of Luke and you go from chapter 1 all the way to the end, you see several things. First of all, you see Jesus either heading to a meal, he's going to have a meal with people, you see him at a meal, 
eating with people, or you see him leaving a meal. It's like all over the Gospel of Luke, the author of, of this Gospel builds his entire theology of discipleship, his whole entire idea of, of evangelizing and sharing the Gospel and bringing people into his kingdom around the dinner table. It's a really beautiful strategy. And so he's either going to, at, or coming from a meal. And so let's just look at a couple examples of this, just really quickly. Luke chapter 5, we, we have Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi. How many of you know tax collectors and sinners? Not really religious people, right? I mean, those are the people that Jesus gets in trouble for spending all his time with. And that's partly why I love Jesus so much. We go to Luke chapter 7, Jesus is anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal. He's eating, right? Luke chapter 9, Jesus feeds the 5,000 in a miraculous provisional way to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. In Luke 10, Jesus eats in the home of Martha and Mary. And in that text, you'll know that Mary anoints the feet of Jesus and sits down to listen to him teach. In Luke 11, Jesus condemns the Pharisees and teachers of the law at a meal. Luke 14, Jesus is at a meal when he urges people to invite the poor to their meals rather than their friends. Luke chapter 19, Jesus invites himself to dinner with Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And a wee little man was he? And then we have in Luke 22, we have the account of the Last Supper where Jesus teaches his disciples to break bread and to share wine together to remember and commemorate his death. And then in Luke 24, the risen Christ who has been crucified and has been powerfully raised from the dead, he has a meal with two disciples on the road to Emmaus and then later eats fish with the disciples in Jerusalem. And if you pay particular attention to that passage, you'll know that the two disciples who couldn't recognize who Jesus was at first, they don't recognize who Jesus is until they break bread. Because it's in the context of breaking bread that we begin to see who Jesus actually is. And I think that's um, in the text is clearly a, a, a nod to the Lord's Supper. So I guess kind of what I'm getting at here is I think we need to rethink our missional strategy. I, I really do believe that our church community, when it comes to like why we exist, we have said for a long time that our mission is to know Jesus and to make Jesus. I love how some of you are like, make Jesus, no. You like so believe in it. You're like, oh my gosh. But for real. Our mission is to know Jesus, like really know him, like be so close to him that we know what is on his heart and what is on his mind and what his goals and his purposes are. So like, I, I don't think we ever get to the point where we know Jesus enough, you know, like we've crossed the finish line. The whole point is that we, we know Jesus and we go on knowing Jesus, and we keep on getting to know Jesus, and we draw closer and closer to Jesus, and that's the whole entire process of discipleship, which happens over the course of our lives. But not only is it about us knowing Jesus, we also believe that God is eager to be known, and he's called us as a community to help other people know Jesus. And there is really nothing, there's nothing like being able to help people connect with God. I mean, there just really is nothing like that. And so we need to rethink our missional strategy. And so, like I said, I know that we as a community, we value helping other people come to know Jesus. And so we need to see that every single one of the meals that Jesus shared, they all represented something bigger than just a meal. In the same way that the meals that we share can represent something bigger than just breaking bread. 
Each one of these examples in the Gospel of Luke give us a picture into a new world. They give us a picture into a new form of government, not a republic or a democracy, but a kingdom. They give us a picture into a new way of doing mission and a new way of expressing grace and community. In fact, I think one of the things we need to observe is who is it that Jesus regularly breaks bread with? Who is it that Jesus spends time eating his meals with? And and the meals weren't just, I think, lessons. They were actually applications of God's grace. Listen to another thing that Tim Chester says about these meals. He says, Jesus is called a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is why eating and drinking were so important in the mission of Jesus. They were a sign of his friendship with tax collectors and sinners. His excess of food and excess of grace are linked. In the ministry of Jesus, meals were enacted grace, community, and mission. So every single time that Jesus has a meal, it's intentional. Haven't we seen that over and over again? When we look at the stories of Jesus, how he's very intentional with what he does, right? We've seen it time and time again is that he has a purpose and a mission. So I think it's a really good question for us to consider whether or not we are joining Jesus in his mission. Are we, are we being intentional in the same way that Jesus is? Because I think what we see that there's a question before all of us, and it's this, is our dining room on mission? Do we see our dining room table as part of God's kingdom? Because if we don't, that's something that we can easily adjust. And we're going to talk about that over the course of the next six weeks. So let's talk a little bit about how we can apply this today. Because as I've said every single week since I've been here, I am not interested in us just talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible. I really want to put it into practice. Amen? That's part of what we're called to do. So what are, what are some things that we can do in light of Jesus' method of ministry? Next week, we're going to start looking at different specific stories and work through them. But like in light of this overwhelming evidence of Jesus' theology of the table for mission, what can we do? I think the first one is we can invite someone over for a meal. We can invite someone over for a meal. It's pretty easy to do. Uh, I have found that many of us would object to this because we don't feel like our house is clean enough. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, ah, oh, my house isn't clean enough. Or it's like, oh man, I don't really have, you know, I don't really know how to cook. Or I don't have the right meals. Can I just let you know right now, on behalf of all human beings, we don't care if you have some socks on your floor. And macaroni and cheese is a free meal. <laughs> right? I mean, in, in, re- in, in reality, it's like oftentimes we have these objections that prevent us from engaging in mission around the table. And we need to get over those a little bit. Because I think the whole point is hospitality. And hospitality is, is really easy to extend to people. And so this is one easy way is to invite people for a meal. Another way to do it is to have coffee with people. Um, coffee is an easy thing to do. Purchase a coffee for somebody and build relationship. And then I think we need to really realize that meals help us connect. Meals help us connect with people. Now this series is, is going to be an exploration of how Jesus uses meals to teach lessons, and to apply God's grace to people. And I think this is timely because this, folks, is the way forward from the past two years. I mean, I've spent a lot of time praying and talking to people, and 
and we, we've acknowledged this, that there's like certain things in our culture that we need to kind of start pressing back against. Like there's a lot of excuses not to be involved in community. Fair? Everybody's got them. I mean, every week we, we have to wrestle with whether or not we're going to take the risk and to move forward and to draw near to God and be part of community and join God's mission. And there's all these obstacles that we have to. I mean, like, there's so many. I mean, anxieties are through the roof right now. Um, there's also, there's the reality of, like, when you develop uh, habits and you get out of habits, it's hard to develop new habits or break old bad habits, Right? And so there's all these things that we have to do um, in order to get back on board with Jesus' mission. But I'm convinced of a couple things is that the world around us needs us to be engaged in God's mission. Okay? Our tables need to be used as a context to help people connect with Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely needs to happen. So this is the way forward for us, I think, coming out of the last two years of craziness. But in terms of mission, it's also how we're going to make disciples is by sharing meals with people. And so you can either go about your business as usual and you can view, view meals as just another thing you have to do or you can see them as doorways of grace and opportunities to build community and to join Jesus' mission. So I want to encourage you to invite someone over for a meal. I want to invite you to, I want to, invite you to do that. Now, we're going to stand up together now and we're going to receive communion together. But before we do that, I'd love to pray for a moment for all of us. Because the wonderful thing about, about uh, the church, I think, is that we are a community of individuals from every background, every, every history, every assumption. I mean, there's just a lot of diversity in the room. And so for some of us, Maybe it's been a while since we've been able to connect with somebody over a meal, and we, maybe we just don't even like, view that as being possible you know, right now. So we have all these like, walls and obstacles that are building up. But I want to tell you right now, I think that Jesus is calling us to re-engage in God's mission. Amen? He's, he's, he's inviting us to re-engage in God's mission. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to pray for you specifically. So if you're afraid of inviting someone over, or maybe you're uh, the opposite afraid. You're afraid of going to someone else's house because they're weirdos. You know, there, maybe you have some obstacles that are preventing you from engaging in God's mission. I want to pray for that really quick, and then we're going to receive communion in a moment. But Father, I just pray right now for your spirit's presence just to rest in this room right now. And to rest on each one of us, Lord, and help us right now to, to see this invitation before us to, Lord, not to skip the step of experiencing grace for ourselves and not to ignore the obstacles and challenges that we may have right now, Lord, but to really understand that you are at work and that we not only have a calling to know you better, but to also help other people know you. And so, Father, whatever obstacles, objections, whatever fears, whatever anxieties, whatever, whatever habits that have, have maybe gone to the wayside, Lord, whatever needs to happen in order for us to, to like point, point ourselves to the true north, to Jesus and his kingdom, 
We pray for you to do that right now. We pray that you would free all of us from any of those things which have kept us rooted in in, um, a a non-kingdom-minded, non-mission-engaged world. Your, your word tells us that, that you resist the proud and you give grace to the humble. And so I pray that we would be humble to acknowledge our fears and our weaknesses as we look to you. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would bring to mind a specific person that this week we can be intentional about inviting for a meal or a cup of coffee, or just uh, snacks, Lord, would you right now speak to to the mind of every person in this room, highlight someone who needs to experience grace and community. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and do that? I'm just curious, is there anybody in the room that you feel like the Lord just... You don't have to tell us who it is, but someone who feels in the room, just by a show of hands, just say, yeah, like the Lord just gave me someone in my mind. Okay. So Lord, for those who, who have not had anybody pop into their mind, Lord, would you do that right now? Who is a coworker or a family member or a neighbor, Lord, that we can be intentional to invite into a place of community.